Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins, joined as always by Brandon Scott. You know him as B. Scott. Well, we're around the halfway mark of the college basketball season, so let's go ahead and do some evaluating. We gave you our preview at the beginning of the year, and now we want to kind of take a look back and see where our teams from around the state are at. We're going to discuss best wins, worst losses, impact players, and grades for Purdue, IU, and Notre Dame. We're also going to talk about some mid-major schools because there's some mid-major schools that are Doing pretty well this year for uh, for Indiana, so we'll see if maybe uh, there can be multiple uh, teams, or maybe maybe two, maybe three teams uh, from the state in the tournament. Uh, so we'll see how that all shakes out. Quick, so quickly speaking of a mid of mid majors in Indiana, did you see the viral video? I think it was from tonight of the student, I believe, that hit a full court putt. For a hole in one. Yeah. One end of the court with a putter and a golf ball, hit it across the court. And there was like this little setup where there was three holes that could go into tiny little holes. And he made it in one. I don't know what he won. I don't know what it was like what was it was for necessarily. But he hit a full court hole in one putt. Did he so did he have to hit the hole in one for whatever prize or yeah. Okay. I was I'm gonna say so, yeah. I was going to say, because if he didn't have to, if it was like, hey, three putts and you win this prize, but you have to Well, I'm sure that maybe they gave him a certain amount of time to try to get it. Maybe. You know how they do that type of thing, but he's still. Right. That's impressive. That's that's not an easy thing to do, I wouldn't think. No. So, yeah, I don't know where that's at, but tip of the cap to that person wherever (laughs) you are, because that's uh, that's pretty incredible. I just saw the video, and I was like, that's Indiana State. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> well, hey, it's, it's been a big year for Indiana State. Uh, so the, you know, they're they're doing really well. Um, so yeah, let's let's take a look. Let's hop into it here. Uh, talking about some college uh, hoops of the regular season. Um, you know, right now, uh, Purdue and IU. This is being recorded during the Purdue and IU game. So we will try to get you some. And some why live... we would do that with me? With me, right? We stuck to our normal Tuesday. Right, exactly. We wanted to make sure and give that podcast out to you guys. But yeah, we'll, you know, it's a good game going right now. Purdue was up big at the half. They're still clinging on to the lead. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, we are halfway through the college hoops regular season. Uh, Purdue is ranked number two, projected as the top overall seed for NCAA tournament, uh, for the NCAA tournament, according to ESPN Bracketology. I actually forgot to, because when I did this, uh, update. I forgot to check, double check again. So I don't know what the new rankings, if that's still the case. But they're they're still. I don't know if there's the number one overall, but they're still a one seed. Still projected. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say they should still yeah. be projected to be a one seed. Uh, they're fifteen and two overall, four and two in the Big Ten. IU is twelve and five, four and two in the Big Ten. Notre Dame is seven and ten, two and four in the ACC. Indiana State is fourteen and three, five and one in the Missouri Valley. Right. Uh, the last time I checked. They were projected as kind of a bubble team on the fringe, uh, one of the next four out. Um, according to ESPN Bracketology, and Butler is 11-6, and 2-4 and four in the Big East. So we thought it would and be— And as of today, they were the next—Butler was the next four out. Okay. So you know, you've got some Indiana schools kind of on the bubble, and we talked about it before. Like, it's always good. Like, obviously, you know, you have your teams you root for, Purdue, IU, Notre Dame, whatever, but, you know— Whenever you have multiple Indiana schools in the NCAA tournament, it's always fun to just kind of see how far they can go. 
Um, and so to have State in position and to have uh, Butler kind of on the fringe, uh, it's well, pretty I mean, awesome. And, you know, everybody has that memory of sitting back and cheering on Butler back-to-back -back years on their runs to the national championship game. It's, you know, it, it always made March a little bit more exciting when there was one of the mid-major programs from the state of Indiana in the tournament and making a run in the tournament. Right. Is Butler considered a mid-major anymore, though, being in the Big East? Well, it's it depends on whether or not you consider the Big East a power conference. Because Now, now I don't know, because in... In in basketball, there's not really. I mean, yes, there are power five uh, and mid major schools, but it's not as it's not as like defined as it is in like college football. Because for the longest yeah. time, because the Big East used to be a you know power six uh, like major conference uh, in college football, football back too. back well back when it had um you know you had Miami Rutgers, and, and Rutgers, West Virginia, all those teams. And then, of course, that whole split happened because for a while I was considering the American Conference, which is the successor of the Big East and football, at least a power conference until I was kind of told, like, oh, it's a group of five. I was like, oh, well, I, I, you would have thought that it just transferred <laughs> for us. It transferred from the Big East to the to, you know, to the American. We just changed the name. I, I thought it would still be a power conference, but they're like, yeah, they changed the name and now it's a group of five. I was like, oh, well, I, I, I was considering it still a power for now. Granted, not now. Because uh, when it was the American, they still had some of the old Big East teams in there, so now it's not. So I don't know. I mean, when you think Big East, you think you know strong basketball conference, um, and especially well, I mean, when you've look, got you've got Villanova. This conference. And, yeah, I mean they got UConn, Marquette, Creighton. Uh, I mean, it, it's a pretty extensive list. They have more teams ranked right now than the Big Ten. Right. I mean, it's. They have the number one team in the country right now in UConn, the right. defending national champion. Right. So I think it's it's a little, uh, you know, it, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you though. I, I I don't know what to call it either because when I think Big I don't, East, uh, I, I think you're either a a, a, a mid major or you're not in college basketball. And I would consider the Big East not a mid major conference anymore. Yeah. Yeah, especially now with how well they're. And, well, and, and also I, you still have you have quite a few of the <laughs> like of the teams that were in the big East when it was a big conference for basketball. So I, I I'm going to go and say it is a major conference. Leave a comment down below is big. Is the big East a power conference or not? Uh, especially in college basketball. So um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I have never known really how to define the new basketball version of the Big East. It's kind of like if if the Pac-12 were to survive in basketball, like what would you – like it's obviously going to be diminished. You've got no more Oregon, USC, UCLA, um, Washington, which those weren't really the powers in the in – the, you know, like Well, because now yeah. you got Arizona moving to uh, Big the 12. Big 12. So like, you know, if the Pac-12 were to – because, I mean, there's still a Western Athletic Conference, so there are – there are conferences that survive post the football iteration of those conferences. But what would you consider the Pac-12? You always talk about the Pac-12 and it's a power conference. But you know, if they were to add like Gonzaga and St. Mary's and and all that stuff, you know, would you consider that? So it's kind of that would be kind of the same deal if that ends up being the case over there. So yeah, I've never yeah. known. It's been in kind of that yeah uh, like purgatory of like well I don't really know what to classify you. You're the name says power conference. The, some of the teams 
uh, do not. But yeah, like you're, like you're absolutely right. You've got a bunch of teams that are ranked. We've had national championships come from that conference. So it's not like it's not like when Butler used to play in the Horizon League, where it was pretty much very much defined yeah. as they're a mid major. Um, or the even the Atlantic Ten, right? That was still a mid major in my my mind. But the Big East is rich in basketball well, tradition. How about this? If you play your conference tournament at Madison Square Garden, you're still a power conference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think that pretty much uh, hits the nail on the head there. Uh, but with our uh, report cards tonight for college basketball, what we're going to do is we're going to give our best win and worst loss for each Power Five school. Um, and then we're going to give out a standout performer, an overall grade, and then a key stretch of games moving forward as we kind of give an outlook for the second half of the season. Uh, so, B. Scott, I will give you my best win, worst loss for uh, the team and my standout performer. You'll give yours, then we'll give our grade and key stretch. Uh, we'll kind of go back and forth there. Some production that I meant to do before we hit the live button, uh, but now uh, <laughs> now, now you, you all know what the what's about to come your way. So we'll start off with the Purdue Boilermakers, the number two ranked team in the country uh best win in my opinion for them uh is when they defeated uh, at the time number one arizona 92 to 84 in the indy classic back on december 16th uh purdue at the time was number three and they won an absolute offensive showcase at gamebridge Fieldhouse. each team shot over 50 percent from the floor purdue shot 42 percent from beyond the arc zona was 38 percent from three-point land uh the boilers led th- uh 49 to 38 at the half um, and it was just such a great game. You had a lot of players stepping up in that one. You had Fletcher Lawyer with 27 points, four steals. He was five of nine from three-point land. You had Braden Smith, who had 26 points, four rebounds, four of seven from three-point land. Uh, Zach Eady uh, had 22 points, nine rebounds, and five five assists. So um, just an absolute, um, you know, perfect performance from from. You know, everybody you'd expect to see a great performance from. Um, and Purdue absolutely, you know, had a, a fantastic win on that night. Um, and that, you know, they've been doing that the last couple of years um, uh, where they've just kind of had these big time signature wins. Um, and they did that against Arizona uh, on that night uh, in back in uh, December. So that's, uh, that I think, by far is their best win on the season. Uh, their worst loss, uh, there's only two of them, uh, so you don't really have a lot to choose from. Uh, but I'm going to go with their their uh, 88 to 72 loss to Nebraska last week. Um, they've only got two losses on the season, like I said. Uh, the other coming to Northwestern. Since both the Cornhuskers and Wildcats are sitting at around 12 to 13 wins uh, overall, and around are and are both around 500 in in the conference in the Big Ten, I'll give the nod to the Huskers' loss because of how lopsided it was. Uh, Nebraska shot 61 percent from beyond the arc, hitting 16 threes uh, on the night. Purdue who leads the Big Ten in three-point percentage, shot 39%. So the Huskers also had nine steals. So you had the Huskers who were adding extra possessions uh, and taking possessions away from Purdue as well as just absolutely shooting lights out from three-point lane. It's one of those nights where, like, the Huskers could have probably beaten anyone on that night with how well they were shooting from beyond the arc. So, um, you know, yes, it's their worst loss, but like I said, there's only two of them and it ended up being lopsided. So you could argue that the fact that Nebraska would absolutely off that night uh, could make it be not the worst loss and losing to Northwestern would be the worst one. But um, I'm going to go with that Huskers loss. Um, as far as my standout for performer for Purdue through the first half, 
You know, there's a lot of people to choose from. Um, I kind of wanted to go back and and give some love to. Uh, I think uh, Fletcher Lawyer was who I said their standout like like impact player was going to be or player to watch was going to be before the season started. But I'm going to go with uh, Lance Jones, the guard out of uh, the the senior guard for them. Uh, you know, he's a transfer from Southern Illinois and he's fit right in with Purdue. He's third on the team in points per game. He averages 11 points. He's tied for the lead in three points made, three pointers made with 31. He shoots 33% from long range. He's third on the Boilers among players who have attempted 55 plus three pointers because uh, there's got other guys that are ahead of him. But you know, I, I it's hard to sift through all that when you have a guy that's shooting like 47%, but he's only attempted like 40. So I'm like, well, let's just go with the top three. Um, and Lance Jones tonight already has 15. He has, he's sitting at 15 points currently. Right. So he's uh, three of seven from three. I mean, he's been yeah. an absolute monster and to be able to transition uh, from a mid major program to not just a power five school. So it's not just, Hey, I'm going to the big time now, but one of the best teams in the country and contribute. That's pretty big. So Lance Jones a, gets almost as a start. He's a starter now. Right. So Lance Jones, uh, he gets the nod for me. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really good wins here on the Purdue resume. Whether you, I mean, yeah, Arizona is probably hands down the best win right now. Um, but just the whole non-conference slate, being able to run the table like they did for this for the third straight year, I think it was. Yeah, third straight year. And then to go into the Maui Invitational, what at that time was viewed as one of the toughest Maui Invitationals in the history of the tournament, and to come out on top of that one in some really three straight days of extremely hard battles against Gonzaga, Tennessee, and Marquette. Um, yeah, you know, actually, I'm going to say that their best win is probably the Marquette win, just because that just was a slugfest. That one was a grinded out, beat em up, just on the third straight day of playing. That was a game that you, you could see Purdue losing, and they just dug deep, and they came out on top of that one. And I think that being on, a, I mean, both of them were on neutral courts, Arizona and Marquette. But the Arizona game was in Indianapolis, and uh, Gamebridge Fieldhouse was essentially Mackey South for that game. So I, I think the Marquette game really just truly stands out to me just how much grit this team has because you saw players do things that they're that you don't normally see them do. Like, for instance, Fletcher Lawyer wasn't hitting from three, but he was hitting – he was – driving to the hoop. He was playing tough defense. I mean, it was just the little things that these guys were doing. You could see the growth from the team from last year to this year. So I really think that Marquette game is their, their biggest, their best win. Obviously the worst loss is Nebraska. However, when you look closer at that game, Purdue take away the, the if, if Purdue just cuts the turnover, their turnovers in half, they have a legitimate shot of winning that game. They gave up a ton of points off of turnovers, but then, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nebraska shot, like you said, 61% yeah. from the field. Yeah. It's not like Purdue was losing them defensively. Nebraska just couldn't miss even when good defense was being played and Purdue hit a good clip at 39%. I mean, 
you normally, if you hit 39% from the three point range in a game, you, you probably have won that game. Right. <laughs> but right. when a team goes off for 61% shooting and they just cannot miss, um, in the, in the words of the old, uh, NBA jam, he's on fire. Um, <laughs> It was just that that type of night. Um, the Northwestern loss, that one stings, but that's two straight years now of losing at Northwestern. Northwestern athletics, it, for whatever reason, it just always seems to have. Like I know for a while, like you know, Purdue kept losing at home to Northwestern in football. It happens now in basketball too. For whatever reason, it's a different atmosphere when you play Northwestern. Yeah, and I'm telling you what. I'm, I know Purdue is going to be very happy to see Boo Booey finally gone after he's done his eight years of um, eligibility at Northwestern, it feels like. Um, but, yeah, that Nebraska loss, that that's that's the worst one, especially considering it was a blizzard out there and the fans still showed up and stormed the court. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm kind of glad Purdue's no longer ranked number one in the country. When you're number one, you have that big target on your back. Yeah, they're they're, they're number two, but it's there's not as much. I don't think there's as much pressure because not everybody is wanting to have a, a court storming. Um, I mean, obviously, if you beat number two, you're probably still going to do it. Um, for me, I mean, yeah, you're right. Lance Jones has been a huge, huge addition. He is exactly what this team was missing in their just this last year. Um, Lance Jones brings another level of athleticism. He's not a super great athlete, but he's quick in his lateral movement. So he's really he's a really good defender. He can help break, he's helped uh, help this team break presses a whole lot better than they were in the past. The other player, I mean, you got to give real big props to is definitely Braden Smith. I mean, he has made a massive jump going from a decent to good big 10 point guard to all big 10 caliber at point guard. He has been, I mean, he has been there to be kind of Robin to Zach Eady's Batman. It gives you that really good one-two punch. And then you have Lance Jones, who has stepped up. And then Fletcher Lawyer, who's had some good games. And when Fletcher Lawyer is not having a good game, Lance Jones steps up. It's just, there's every night is somebody different alongside Zach Eady. Um, Even when Zach Eady is in foul trouble, there's other players that step up. So like right now against IU, you know, Zach Eady, he's got his 30, obviously. But... It's Fletcher Lawyer and Lance Jones. Braden Smith is struggling a little bit, but you have those two other that have stepped up. The other player I really have thought here in the last few games that has come alive, and it's going to be a huge benefit for this team going on a run in March. That's Cam Heidi, the redshirt freshman forward who can jump out of just about any gym. Um, He has gained the trust of Matt Painter here quite a bit recently. Um, and actually started the second half against Nebraska. Um, so there's just quite, there's a lot, but yeah, you're definitely right. Lance Jones has been a huge, huge addition to this team. Matt Painter's not a coach that likes to dip into the transfer portal too much because he's a believer in team chemistry, but Lance Jones is that guy that just fits and he fit the need Purdue had 
and it, it, it felt like a glove. It's perfect. When I look at um, overall grades uh, for this team, um, I'm going to go, I'm going to give Purdue an A. Um, are the are the two losses bad? Yes, in the sense that both of those teams are teams that Purdue should beat. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, it's not like I think the Boilers should be undefeated right now. Like it, it's not like I'm sitting here like yeah they should have those those two losses back and they should be seventeen and zero. Um, you know they you know with this, as tough of a schedule as they've had so far, I would have expected one or two losses, just not necessarily the teams that they came to. Um, and with wins over top fifteen teams like Tennessee, Arizona, uh, Marquette, I think is just outside the top fifteen now. Uh, Purdue has definitely lived lived up to expectations and taking care of business. Um, now when I look ahead at their schedule and I look at some key games moving forward, they do end the season at number 14 Illinois before hosting number 11 Wisconsin. Wisconsin currently leads the Big 10. Uh, last time I checked they were 5 and 0. Illinois is fourth in the conference. Uh, those two games and the Big 10 tournament will be the final tune-up before the NCAA tournament. Um, so I know that you know you don't you want to read too much into what happens in those late games, but obviously you want to end the season on a roll. You want to end the, you know, you don't want to have anything too crazy happen in the tournament, in the Big Ten tournament. So, you know, those final tune-up games will be kind of, uh, kind of, give us a little bit of what to expect uh, come, uh, come the, come time for the big dance. Yeah, I'm giving Purdue an A as well. The fact that they went undefeated in non-con play at, with that run through the Maui Invitational can it, it gives it gives them that wiggle room um for those two bad losses and i mean this team even with those two bad losses people still consider this team probably the favorite to win the national championship right up there with yukon um but yeah that's an a it is yeah that stretch at the end of the season um especially closing out against wisconsin because right now wisconsin's in the catbird seat they have a two-game lead in the Big Ten standings, but you know what? I'll be honest, as a Purdue fan, it that's not the goal this year. If we don't win the Big Ten regular season, yeah, it is what it is. I I, I think um, Wisconsin will drop a few. I mean, it's Wisconsin. Th- those teams are always just really well. They're sound teams that play almost a boring style of basketball, but they're just good. So that that is a very key stretch because if you want to close out the regular season strong, so that way if you know you have an off night and you don't win your conference tournament, which we all know conference tournaments don't play a big role in the selection committee's process, it's okay. The selection committee would I think would rather see you close out your regular season strong. And if you if you get bounced in the Big Ten tournament, you've built up enough equity to maintain that number one seed, I, 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 you're, you're okay. But you have to finish the regular season strong to be able to head into the NCAA tournament with any kind of momentum. I kind of want to look and see. I'd be interested to know. This is a JMV stat right here. What what This nation- would be something you would be in charge of put, looking up. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. Uh, how many teams have won the national championship while failing to win their regular season uh, uh, conference championship and their tournament, con- their tournament championship. So, like, if Purdue were to not win the Big Ten tournament and not win the Big Ten regular season championship, how, like, when's the last time the national champion has not won at least one of those two titles, whether it be 
tournament champion or regular season champion. Um, which, like you said, that's not the goal, but I, that just kind of made me curious. I was like, man, that would be kind of odd if, if Purdue didn't win either the regular season or tournament championship. You know, I'm wondering last year. <laughs> maybe because I don't know. I don't know how UConn did uh, in there. So maybe that because I know they they kind of came in and, and flew under the radar. Um, so yeah, I, I pretty I'll, much that entire Final Four right flew under the radar. Right, exactly. I mean, so UConn, weren't they like a five seed? I I, I don't remember. Honestly, um, the first I I'm so busy the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm curious. I am gonna look it up. We'll I'll look it up while we're doing the IU stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, that is that is interesting because now now I want to know, um, where uh UConn was, um, but uh, we'll move on now uh to the Indiana Hoosiers, um, and uh, we'll give them a grade here. Give some evaluation to them. Um, the best win for the Hoosiers, um, they did beat uh, Minnesota 74-62 to this past Friday. Um, IU ranks outside the top 100 in terms of non-conference strength of schedule and no major wins to speak of on that front. Uh, so we have to look to their resume inside the conference. Um, and with that win over the Gophers, it's their only win against a team in the top half of the Big Ten, um, and, you know, uh, which includes uh, the Purdue-IU game just went final. Purdue beats IU's 87 87- 64 um so that remains the case iu still has not beaten a team nope, 87 66 was the final oh well i okay peacock has struggled to keep up with updating the score i gotcha i'm, look, I'm looking at the official box score it's 87 to 66 gotcha i was good i was gonna say because like peacock says 87 64 but i'll, I'll trust yeah, they, you they've struggled all night keeping up um but yeah Peacock's so bush league man bush league you heard it here first. I don't mind it, but but I haven't really watched any of their basketball games, so maybe maybe if I have watched more of them, I would know. But um, but yeah, so um, IU, um, you know that was uh, their only win uh, over a team in the top half uh, of the conference against the Golden Gophers this past week. Um, it was a double digit win at that, a game in which IU never trailed. Uh, the Hoosiers shot forty three percent from beyond the arc. Minnesota shot just fifteen percent. Uh, Khalil Ware uh, had seventeen points for and fourteen rebounds. McKenzie and Baco had uh, nineteen points, four rebounds. Uh, Malik Renault had sixteen points, six rebounds. All those guys are either a sophomore or younger, uh, so that's a good sign for the future when you can have those young guys step up. Um, their worst loss uh, is when they lost to Auburn, one hundred and four to seventy six during holiday hoops giving on December 9th. I know, I know Auburn uh, is 14 and two. They lead the SEC. They've risen to number 13 in the country. Uh, but say what you want about how good Auburn turned out to be or about the roster turnover for IU, which I'm sure we'll hear about possibly in the comments here about how it's a young team. There's been a lot of turnover, but losing by 30 on a neutral court is never a good look. Um, the Hoosiers and, Tig- and Tigers were tied at 26. Uh, with just over eight minutes to play in the first half, um, IU was outscored twenty-six to eight over the rest of that half. So they just ended that half on a complete thud, um, and were never really able to recover. Um, the next week, the Hoosiers uh, took Kansas, number two at the time and number three currently, um, down to the wire and only lost by four. So with games versus top five opponents like the Jayhawks, they also played UConn. You wouldn't expect Auburn to be the team that I that took uh, IU behind the woodshed. So I think you know you know there's you know, I, you know, I don't remember if there were any circumstances at the time that maybe contributed to that uh, big loss there, but just a lot to lose like that in general. And then the next week, take Kansas to within four. 
I mean, it shows you kind of how it kind of puts in perspective how off of a night uh, that that was. Um, my standout performer for IU though is center Khalil Ware, um, the sophomore. Um, he is second on the team in scoring, averaging 15 points per game. That was going into tonight's game against Purdue. Uh, he leads the team in rebounds and blocks. Uh, he's got 10 rebounds per game, two blocks per game. He's top 25 in the country in terms of rebounds per game, so that's pretty big as well. Um, he's got seven double doubles on the year, uh, seven games with 10 plus rebounds. He's uh, you know, he transfers from Oregon, where he mainly came off the bench as a freshman and has immediately made his presence known in Bloomington as a starter. So he's carved out a uh, he's carved out a role in Bloomington and he's flourished in that role and really has has been a standout for IU this season. So shout out to Khalil Ware who has had a, a great season up to this point. All right. So when I look at um IU's schedule here, to me their their best win came just recently. And I'm gonna say that was over Ohio State at home. Um coming into it, Ohio State was playing some decent basketball and it looked like they were going to be in the upper echelon or the, the top half of the big 10 at least. Um, and that was one I, 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 going into it. IU was actually um, a home dog in that game. So for them to come out, win that one 71 65, it, you know, it showed resilience with the team and everything. So I, that is to me, that's their best win. Um, the worst loss I'm not going to say Auburn because of what we've seen from Auburn now. Their worst loss has come in the last few weeks. It either is the 86 to 70 loss they took at Nebraska, which we're now seeing Nebraska can play lights out at home. They just can't seem to miss when they're at home. So that, that gives me the only other one in the last few weeks, and that's the road loss at Rutgers. Rutgers is not a good team this year. Yes, it is tough to go into the rack and come out victorious, but that's it's not that has been a case in the past. And this year's Rutgers team is not on the same level as IU. IU has a good team. They just need development and they need to show that improvement, um, which I think many IU fans would agree with that statement. Um, they have a good on paper. That's a real that's a good team. It's just they're not meeting their potential, um, especially with the loss at Rutgers. You have no, you should really have no business this year losing at Rutgers. Um, so that that one to me is their worst, their worst loss. And you, as far as the the best player, the the, the big bright spot for this team, you're right. Um, Kella Ware or Khalil Ware um, is, uh, you know. Obviously, he was a big transfer for them. I think he has played really good basketball for them. The other player I'm looking at is here recently, the emerge, the, the larger emergence of Trey Galloway. Um, kind of Trey Galloway can lead this team. Uh, wherever Trey Galloway goes, this team he can he can drag this team along behind him. Um, and honestly, I you know, I it's in the Big Ten right now, it's kind of the the Shaq effect is going on where there was a period of time in the NBA where teams built their rosters in order to beat Shaq and the Lakers. And they tried to get as much size to compete up against him as they could. Whereas you need to be looking at your guard play still. And guard play was getting overlooked, I felt like. 
And that's something that I, IU has really done really well in bringing in some bigger players, you know, Malik Renault, um, Mackenzie Mbaka, um, Khalil Ware. That, that's, that's a, those are really solid players. But you need a player like Trey Galloway to take the reins of this team and lead them to where they can go. So I'm, I'm still going to say Khalil Ware just because he's been good night in and night out. But don't sleep on Trey Galloway either. For those of you wondering, uh, the last time a a national champion didn't win the their conference tournament or the regular season tournament was indeed last year. UConn uh, finished in the middle or like upper echelon towards the middle of the Big East, um, and then uh, Marquette won the Big East tournament. So that would be last year. That was the last time. So I now would be interested to know. I'll probably if 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 that ends up happening to Purdue, it'll definitely be what we talk about. Um, in our preview or whatever, whatever you know, next opportunity to to discuss that, I'll definitely have probably looked at the last five years at least and been like, so what has happened uh, in this uh, in this category? So so yeah, in case you're wondering, that's the answer to that question. My overall grade for the first half of the season uh, for the IU Hoosiers, uh, I'm giving them a B minus. Uh, it's bordering on a C with the lackluster non-conference slate. The lost Rutgers, as you mentioned, B Scott, uh, who is at the bottom of the league, uh, that's not great either. Uh, but they're still twelve and five. Uh, they're well now twelve and six. Uh, they're fourth in the Big East, or sorry, they're uh, but they're still twelve and six. Uh, they're fourth in the Big Ten, uh, and given the turnover and new faces uh, on the roster, it's not been that bad of a season. Obviously, you would like to see more uh, out of this team. You'd like to see some of those bad losses go away. But as we've discussed, every team kind of has a bad loss here or there. So, um, you know, uh, they, they do have a young team. They have a good team on paper. Um, so it's still been okay, an okay uh, season so far. Um, so I'll say B-, minus. maybe the loss uh, to Purdue uh, kind of makes that even more trending towards the C. Uh, but that kind of goes into the key stretch of games moving forward uh, because they're in the middle of it right now. This is the this is a key stretch for the IU Hoosiers. Uh, you know, they got the win against Minnesota last week. They did fall to Purdue tonight. Um, and then uh, coming up, they're at Wisconsin on January 19th and at number 14, Illinois, to close out the month. Uh, best case scenario, you're at 14 to 15 wins. You've got a couple of signature wins on the board if you can beat both of those ranked teams. Um, you know, heck, they might even be receiving votes, might even be close to being ranked. Uh, who knows uh, by that point if they could beat both Wisconsin and Illinois. Um, so that's kind of the best case scenario. They'll be in the conversation maybe of possibly being ranked. Um, and they'll be, uh, you know, they'll have a couple more wins uh, under their belt that are signature wins that they can brag about. Uh, but the worst case scenario is they're falling back to around 500. They're falling in the Big Ten uh, with their attorney hopes fizzling out. Because uh, right now they could still kind of do what they did a couple years ago, have a couple, you know, good wins uh, to close out the year and then make a tournament run um, in the in the Big Ten tournament, maybe still get into the NCAA tournament. But if they falter in this stretch of games, that's going to put those hopes uh you know in pretty dire straits so they're in the middle of their best they're in the middle of a key stretch right now in the season uh and and hopefully if they can get the you know a couple more wins here uh against uh illinois and and wisconsin to close out january that'll be big and and telling us what kind of iu team we're going to get down the stretch yeah i'm gonna act, i'm gonna give them a c plus because the two recent losses to rutgers and nebraska ex- especially that Rutgers loss that, that brings the grade down. Um, Cause honestly, when you look at this, the IU resume, there's, 
nothing really that stands out. There's no wins on there that they shouldn't that they shouldn't have gotten, but there are losses on there that they shouldn't have gotten at, at the same time. So that's what brings it down to a C plus for me because there really hasn't been that resume writing win for them yet this year. There's still time. There is still a lot of time, which brings me into that stretch that you talked about as well. Look, it started tonight against Purdue, and then they have on Friday, they uh, play, I, I, of course, I closed out their schedule. I believe they play, host. I know they play Wisconsin. I believe they play host to Wisconsin. And then um, they all, then they have Illinois on the road. Um these yeah, next the next two, two games are road games. Yeah, at Wisconsin. Next two games are road at, games. Okay. Uh, okay. So, look, these next two games for them have a potential to either sink the ship or right the ship. Um, it, it's going to go – these next two games are going to go a long way in where IU wants to direct the rest of their season. And look, like I said, this is – on paper, this is a good team. They have the talent that's there. It's just for some reason it just it hasn't come together yet for them. It, we thought it came close against Kansas, like okay, we're seeing it, but then it just never really got to where it we thought it could go. So these next two games are huge, huge. I will also say Purdue fans will probably become IU fans on Friday when IU plays Wisconsin because Purdue would love Wisconsin to take a loss in the big 10 right now. So, but regardless, two huge upcoming games for IU, these three, this three game stretch was going to be big. Look, don't worry about the Purdue loss. If you're IU basketball, shake that one off. Purdue is the number two team in the country. They've been ranked number one twice this year. That it's a, it produced a really good team. You know, you fought back hard in the second half. So build off of build where you can from that game but then also move on from it. Forget about it, move on. Look at the task at hand against Wisconsin and Illinois. Those are your big opportunities right there to get a resume writing win or two. Yeah, that'll be really big for them because if they don't do it there, um, I didn't really see a whole lot more opportunities. Like this is this is their biggest stretch of games. Uh, like yeah. that they have like, you know, kind of consecutively. They'll go through the gauntlet, but if they can come out of it, you know, hey. Two and we, one. Yeah, we closed out the we closed out January with you know three and one with wins over Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Illinois. I mean that's yeah. that's pretty big. Uh, moving on, final Power Five school uh, that we're going to talk about is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Uh, their best win and worst loss. Best win for them is they beat Virginia, uh, seventy six to fifty four on December thirtieth. Uh, the Irish never trailed. They led forty one to twenty four at halftime. They shot forty six. They shot forty eight percent. From beyond the arc, uh, Virginia was 18% from long range. Uh, they had four starters who were in double figures. Um, uh, uh, J.R. Konieski, I, I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm, you know, I'm probably butchering it. So, it, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I should remember because he was recruited pretty heavily by Purdue. Um, so, uh, drop the pronunciation. I looked at the pronunciation before, and I just completely spaced it uh, just now. So, so I apologize. Uh, but he had a big night. 
Um, JR had a big night for Notre Dame. <laughs> 17 points, uh, 8 rebounds. He was 4 or 5 from 3-point range. You also had Kerry Booth, who had 17 points, 9 rebounds. Virginia isn't the power that they've been in the past, uh, but they're still an 11-5 and five team, and the fact that Notre Dame beat them uh, by 20-plus is impressive. Um, you know, I was thinking about it when I was going through the outline. I was like, what's kind of a like parallel that you could draw, uh, you know, for, for you know Notre Dame being a, a team that, uh, you know, is was once a power a couple of years ago and has kind of fallen off since, but it would still be a signature win. Like you're still bragging if you beat them. I, I would, I was like maybe Clemson in college football. Uh, you know, Clemson isn't what they were a couple of years ago, but you still are pretty pumped if you can knock them off. So that's kind of I don't know that you necessarily needed that analogy, uh, but I gave but I gave it to you. Um, and so, um. Yeah, so Notre Dame beating Virginia, that's a big win, especially for such a young team, for a team with so much turnover, a team with a first-year head coach. Uh, that's that's a big uh, that's a big victory there. Uh, their worst loss uh, was they fell to the Citadel, sixty-five to forty-five on December nineteenth. I mean, you you lose by twenty at home to a team like the Citadel, who is under five hundred. Uh, they're fighting to stay out of the cellar of the Southern Conference. Uh, that's about as bad as it gets. They were outscored thirty-three to sixteen in the second half. Uh, they shot 27% from the floor, 13% from three-point range for the game. So they just had a terrible shooting night. You're gonna have, and, and you're gonna have bad shooting nights. Uh, but as a Power Five program, uh, you want them to happen. Uh, you don't want them to happen against a squad uh, that's a, a bad mid-major squad at that. So uh, definitely not a great look uh, to lose by 40 at home to the Citadel. Um, but as far as their standout performer, I'm going with freshman guard Marcus Burton. Um, he's the leading scorer for the team with 16 points per game. He's the only player averaging double figures. He also leads the team in assists and steals as well. You know, I get it. It's an overhauled roster, but to, but to perform the way he has at a program like Notre Dame as a freshman uh, is pretty impressive. So, I mean, you know, you're still an ACC school. You're still going up against the best of the best. The ACC is still a great conference. So to be able to, to be – to be able to contribute as much as he has immediately uh, from stepping on campus and stepping on the Notre Dame court there, um, that's pretty huge. So Marcus Burton uh, gets a shout-out for me. So, yeah, the Notre Dame's going to have their, their growing pains still. Um, I do I, I do have I have faith in Micah Shrewsbury to get them turned around. It's going to take a little bit, um, mostly because it, as – unlike football recruiting for them in basketball is a little bit more of a challenge because you are contending against Purdue and IU in uh, state. Oh, and Butler. It's, it, it's, 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 it's not as easy to bring in the top level players from your own state, even though Notre Dame sometimes does not like to say they're part of the state of Indiana. Um, yeah. I mean, you're right. Their best win so far this year Um has I would say against Virginia, just from a prestige standpoint, um, like you said, it's not the same Virginia. The other one I would kind of look at as as well as maybe the win over uh, Georgia Tech, um, just a few just last week. Um, otherwise, there's really nothing that just stands out. I mean, but the like, but then it turns around. The worst loss is definitely the Citadel. Nothing against the Citadel. I love the Citadel. They have they're great when I was covering wrestling. Great people um over there. So 
but it's it's not a good look it's not a good luck to lose to them in basketball i'm sorry um so that's definitely when when your worst loss outshines your best win things aren't going great for you um and you're right marcus burton he was my preseason player to watch so i got to stick with him I, yeah. I i was high on marcus burton and i'm going to remain high on him i i think he Notre Dame has something special there in him and they just need to find the right pieces to build around him. And they could be back in the tournament before too long, or at least the NIT. But Marcus Burton is the, is the player that they need to honestly build around. Yeah. He's done a lot of great things already and he's just halfway through his first season. So that's pretty, pretty impressive. Uh, overall grade that I give the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, uh, I'm giving them a C. I mean, we expected growing pains uh, and for this team to take uh, its lumps in Micah Shrewsbury's first season, and that has certainly happened. Uh, losses uh, to mid-majors like Western Carolina, who Western Carolina is pretty good this year, uh, as well as the Citadel. Uh, they're 2-4 and four in ACC, in the ACC. They're 7-10 and 10 overall. While there weren't many expectations for the Irish, I don't think the Irish have, uh, I don't think Notre Dame has disappointed really either. Uh, so that's why I give them the C. You know, they haven't done great, but we didn't really expect them to be great, and they're not the worst either. So it's kind of like, meh, it's a, it's a meh season. We knew it was going to be a meh season, and that's just kind of where they're at. Um, now, as far as key stretch of games, uh, four of their last six games are on the road. Um, that stretch does include games against Clemson on March 2nd uh, and then at number four, UNC on March 5th. Um, there's not going to be much to play for uh, for Notre Dame, but those games will still be a good barometer on the progress uh, this team has made this season. So, you know, if you can if you can in that last stretch of games, if you can win. Four, three. If you can go 500 in that last stretch of games, if you can go three and three to close out the year, I think especially if you can nab a win against you know Clemson or again or maybe even take you know North Carolina to the wire. I mean, I think you're saying like, hey, that was a good way to end the year. It got us to however many wins, um, and we're looking good at it. If you lose like all six or you go like two and four, then that's just kind of a thud of a way to end the season. So if they can have, if they can finish the season on a high note, obviously that's going to give them a lot of great momentum uh, going into uh, year two under Micah Shrewsbury. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to give them a C minus, borderline D plus. Like I said, when your worst loss outshines your best win, and not in a good way, not in a good way. Meaning, you know, typically, oh yeah, your worst loss if it's shining, that means, uh, yeah, it was a, you're you're a pretty good team. But no, it's, I, I gotta go with a C minus. Like we're talking a seventy percent C minus. Um, yeah, that's I'm not gonna even talk about it anymore. But yeah, and you're right. There, there's the biggest stretch for them is the the last few games of the season. You need to to finish strong, you know, head into the recruiting trail, showing an upward trajectory to give something that recruits can look look at. Um, and it, it's 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 possible. You don't have to have the best season to be able to go out and bring in better players. It, you know, obviously you can pitch to them playing time. And I could see um, Notre Dame making a jump next year um in year two with micah shrewsbury so it's 
yeah. The last few games finished strong, head into the offseason on a higher note and get to work. Um, uh, in, 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 the word I'm looking for, I want to say enhancing, but it just sounds it's not right. Um, just bettering your roster, you know, but you need that you need that momentum going into the offseason to build upon that momentum and then head into next year just feeling really good and having the confidence. So, yeah. 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 To end of the season on a high note would be really good for them. And, and yeah, just kind of in the season on a good note, have something to come back to, um, you know, next season and kind of be like, Hey, remember we were able to do this in that last month of the season or even in the tournament um, in the, in the ACC tournament. So yeah, to have something to hang your hat on, will be big for this uh, young team. Uh, so I thought it would be a fun exercise before we end the podcast to uh, d- to d- to have a debate over who is the second best team in Indiana right now because we could do who's the best team. Obviously, that's going to go to Purdue um, just because of you know them being you know obviously number two in the country. You know now sixteen and two, um, you know five and two in the Big Ten. Um, I don't think there's really too much of a debate there. Um, but uh, you know, the, so the question then becomes: Who is the second best team? If you were to do a power ranking right now, or even if you were to go, hey, if there was a tournament, you know, who would who would the, who would be the team Purdue would be playing? Um, you know, in the in the final, if the Indiana were to have a state tournament uh, before you went into the NCAA tournament. Um, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with second best team in Indiana right now. Got to give some love to some mid majors. We talked a lot about mid majors tonight. Um, I'm going with Indiana State. Um, aside from Purdue, the Sycamores are the only team ranked in the top 50 in the basketball power index on ESPN and fighting, they're fighting for the top spot in their conference as well, just like Purdue is. So, you know, all, you know, there's no other team right now in Indiana that can say that, that they're fighting for the top spot and they're ranked in the top 50 in BPI. Uh, also they're the only other, also the only other school, uh, only other Indiana school, um, included in ESPN bracketology. Obviously we know that's a little dated because Butler is now in the picture as well. Um, and, uh, they are one of the teams. Uh, Butler's probably fallen off that picture after losing to Xavier tonight. That's three straight losses. Yeah. So, I mean, dogs. you've got, you've got, you, you know, I know Indiana state's kind of on the bubble. They're on the outside looking in, but they're still in that conversation, which is good. Uh, the Sycamores lead the Missouri Valley conference in points per game. They score 86 points, uh, a night. Uh, they have, uh, three, they lead in three point percentage with 41%. They lead, uh, in assists with 18 per game. Um, just five of their final 14 games are against teams, um, that are in the top half of the Missouri Valley conference in terms of BPI. Uh, they're five and one in conference play. They're only losses to Drake. Uh, only other two losses on the season were to Alabama and Michigan State. So, um, you know, Purdue is far and away the class of the state, uh, but the only other team close to experiencing the same level of success um, that they are at the moment is the Sycamores. And I think they'll be the second team from the state to make the big dance this season. I have a lot of confidence in Indiana State. When we did this, the exercise at the beginning of the year, like who else could possibly make the tournament, I went with the Sycamores. So like you said, you had to stick with your uh, pick for of Marcus Bur- Burton to be a standout player. I got to stick with my Sycamores here uh, as a team that can represent the state um, as a mid-major going into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I... I... You know, I want to say Indiana State is the second best team in the state of Indiana right now. I think, I just, I don't know how they would fare head-to-head against IU. 
because like, oh, but IU just got beat by 21 points by Purdue. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they did. But Purdue's on a different level. It's not, it's not the same. You know, I, I really love what Indiana State's doing. I guess if you look at it from a, a, the standpoint of who's being considered for the tournament, you have to go Indiana State in that that sense because Indiana State has seen their name on the on the bracket right now, but it's also because they're favored. They might be favored to win their conference. Um, and you're not seeing IU's name on the bracket right now either. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I am going to go Indiana State because the more I think about it, those that team has just been playing hard all season long. They're not the most athletic team. They're they're on paper, they're not the, the second best team in the state of Indiana. Um honestly, they might not even be the third best team in the state of Indiana on, on paper. But this is a team that has just played hard. They played gritty. They, you know, they're they're having fun out there while doing it. And I think all of that overcomes the on paper look. Um, so yeah, give me Indiana State. I, I think it, when, it, when it comes down to it, I do see only two teams from the state of Indiana making it into the NCAA tournament, and that is Purdue and Indiana State. Um, if you would have asked me last week when Butler beat Marquette, I would have said, and almost beat UConn, I would have said, oh yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. say. That's what I was going to say is, you know, Butler, get your get your act together because when we originally like were talking about what to do for a college basketball show this week, I was, you know, this segment was kind of centered around like Butler potentially Butler's being back. Yeah. <laughs> um and we and we both kind of like took a look at, you know, when diving down into it, it's like Indiana State's a little bit better and Butler right now isn't even really in the mix right now for the tournament. Um, you know, so well, cuz at the time when we were talking and we were planning this show out, Butler was yeah, they may not have been winning a ton. They weren't winning every game, but they were playing well enough that it's like, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna win their their share, and they may sneak their way into this thing because of that. And it started looking like that, especially after the the win over Marquette. But then everything's kind of <laughs> the wheels falling apart yeah. here these past few games. So it's like, uh, Indiana State, it's Indiana State, the second best team right now, um, just because. I think if you they played head to head against IU, I could honestly see them winning because they would they want it more. Yeah. They yeah. want it more, they make the adjustments. I think it comes down to coaching as well. I'm not 100% certain Mike Woodson is the right coach for IU even anymore. He doesn't make the right adjustments. I mean, so I think Indiana State is the second best team in the state of Indiana right now. Yeah, I I think so too. I mean, yeah, it is and, really, it's close. Yeah. It's close. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, and IU. It, no one's sitting here saying that it, they're far and away leaps and bounds ahead of IU. It's close, but yeah, I think just because I mean, heck, you, you know, you said maybe even on paper uh, they might not be the best. I mean, again, I mean, I don't know how much. I'm sure there's there's gonna be there might be somebody in the comments that's like, well, you can't really look at BPI. That's kind of what I have used to kind of gauge, um, you know, kind of you know, and and uh, IU and or no, sorry, Purdue and Indiana State are the only two teams in the top fifty from the state. Um, so and I'm telling you when I'm looking at, I'm saying by looking on paper, I'm looking at their rosters. Yeah. I'm looking at the, how these guys landed as recruits and 
look, I'll be honest, even on paper, IU is better. It should be better than Purdue with the number of five stars and, you know, big time transfers. Khalil Ware and McKenzie Mbaka should be taking it to the 3,426th player in the country who was only like, who was barely a three star coming out of high school and Zach Eady, you know, but obviously you got to play the game. It's not all played based off of recruiting rankings and everything. So that's why I go Indiana state still. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, And that will do it uh, for this week's edition of the crash course podcast. Thank you guys all for hanging out. Uh, Remember that you can like us on Facebook, three C media, go follow us over on Twitter X, whatever you want to call it at three C media sports, Uh, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're listening to us on the uh, podcast app, remember you can watch us as well. Go over to uh, our YouTube channel, three C media. You can also catch clips on TikTok as well. Um, we're, we're getting closer and closer to 3,000 every day, so go over there um, and follow us on that side as well. And remember, you can listen to us every week on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard. You can hear the Crash Course Podcast. You can find me at Crash Course FM on Twitter. B. Scott, where can they find you? Find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Scott 87. Well, speaking I'm of... always going to call it Twitter. Yeah. Always, always going to call it Twitter. Yeah, it's 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 like uh, there was like a, a some sort of meme that was like about all the different names of uh, the Sears Tower. And it's like, nope, it's always will be known as Sears Tower. Kind of like uh, uh, Deer Creek. Deer Creek used to be the... Yeah, Deer Creek. Yeah, it used to be the... I don't know. I, I'm not old enough to be that on that bandwagon. It's but maybe always... like Verizon or, or whatever yeah, Verizon. it was. Because it's had about eight or different names by this point. Seco Fieldhouse. That's You're right. Why. Right, Conseco before Banker's Life, before Gamebridge, it was Conseco. Um, so yeah, no, yeah, definitely in that boat as well. But again, thank you guys all for hanging out tonight. Next week, speaking of state tournaments, we'll be talking about the girls' uh, state basketball tournament for the IHSAA. Um, we'll be doing uh, all the breakdown of every single sectional, uh, giving you who we think is going to win and that kind of thing ahead of the state tournament. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot more basketball conversation on the way. But until then, have a good week, everybody.